Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. If you walk down from Kennedy Road to Gloucester Road across Wan Chai, you crisscross several streets where reclamation extended the land into the sea. The original seafront would have been at Queen's Road. Gavin Coates has lived here since the early 1980s and is a senior lecturer at the University of Hong Kong in landscape architecture. We took a stroll around the district to look at the ever-changing urban landscape, the trees that are in city areas, and how some of the streets and plot sizes show how residents lived and worked over a century ago. We're on Kennedy Road, and we're just at the top of uh, Monmouth Path here, uh, which links down to Queens Road East. And what we're going to do is uh, we're going to do what I call the Wan Chai transect. And we're going, <laughs> and we're going to. Uh, so we're starting up here at, at Kennedy Road, and we're going to walk down, go around Star Street, that area, and then uh, across uh, Queens Road East, which is roughly where the original coastline was of, on the north side of Hong Kong Island. And then uh, we we will go down to Johnston Road. That was the, the seafront around 1904, 1910s, something like that, when the trams were built. And then we'll go across Hennessy Road, Lockhart Road, Jaffa Road to Gloucester Road, which was the seafront in the 1930s. And then we'll see, well we'll see how we get on. But then then we'll then we'll we'll walk out into 1970s, 80s reclamation. And as we go along, it, it, you'll see that it becomes a kind of a story. It's a little bit of a storyline. It's a storyline based on the different stages of reclamation uh, over the years from the very beginning of Hong Kong's history. So starting up here at Kennedy Road, obviously we're up on on the hill. This was land, and this is an area that we can see now. It's all private blocks of housing, probably mostly 1970s, 80s, that kind of time. But this road originally would have had these beautiful old 1920s and well, Victorian and a little bit later villas. Uh, there's only two left. There are actually two left in Kennedy Road. There's the one that is the former chief executive's office right uh, near the union church down at the far end and there's one left just opposite the hopewell center which seems to me has been standing more or less empty for years so you can see a little bit of the evidence of the original kind of architecture that it was along the road the interesting thing about all this is that the buildings have all changed right all, as we walk through we'll we'll find one or two of the what are probably original buildings built at the time when those areas were developed. But the interesting thing is that the road layout and the public domain has not changed at all in all that time, or, or very little. What I find always so impressive in Hong Kong is how early on they'd have had to build everything. Well, I mean, obviously reclamation mm. to create new mm. land, but mm. also, you know, the fact that a lot of it's built on slopes mm. and the protection right. of those slopes. Yeah. So we're just heading down... Monmouth Path, down some steps here. Yes, and you can see how steep these slopes are. So, yeah, as you just mentioned, there was a huge differential between the area that we're going to walk down into now and Kennedy Road itself, which is at the mid-levels, and that's where basically the rich people lived, and that's where the sort of colonial villas were built, and hence uh, they, and they were then redeveloped, you know, from the sort of 60s, 70s onwards. Yeah, so here, I mean, we've just come to a rather interesting bit of, well, probably Victorian engineering. So we've got this wonderful buttressed granite retaining wall and then this nuller, right, this uh, drainage channel coming through this archway. 
and this fantastic uh, banyan growing on it, right, with its roots, uh, you know, scrambling all over the structure. But the Chinese banyan is really the sort of stalwart, you know, of the of the arboreal world here in Hong Kong. <laughs> I mean, and I don't think this is very old. I mean, it's probably maybe 30 years old or something, 30, 40 years old. But, it, but a little seedling has got, uh, because the birds eat the little figs. I mean, these produ- they produce little tiddly figs because the birds eat them and then deposit them all over the place. And so once it gets into a crack in the structure, then it will send down these aerial roots across the structure and, and engulf it completely. So I always say that the... Uh, you know, the, this, this uh, ficus microcarpa is like the Bengal tiger of the tree world. You know, it's a predator. And it, it naturally, in the forest, you know, before all these structures, you know, with it, which it, it has an advantage on these structures because other trees can't grow there, so that the banyans can get in and take over this environment. But they also will sprout in the, in the, you know, in the forks of uh, existing other, other trees and send down these aerial roots down the trunk and actually swallow up the whole tree. You know, so they strangle, they're a type of strangler fig, in fact. We're just coming down to the last part of Monmouth Pass and uh, heading down to Star Street. So we're just at the back of Pacific Place 3 here, heading on to Star Street. So, I mean, gosh, this is so new, isn't it, relatively yeah. speaking? Right. But what's interesting is that we're in one of the oldest parts of Hong Kong, actually. And if you look across the street there, you can see... We look further down Star Street, you can see the building lots are very small, and it actually it consists of lots and lots of small, mostly now pencil blocks, these, these tall tower blocks, but their, their footprint is very small. The lots are very small, and the street is very narrow. Of course, there were old buildings all the way along. I remember this street as uh, little shop houses all the way along here. Because when did you first come to Hong Kong? Uh, in, in 82, yeah. So in the, in the early 80s, this was... A much narrower street, this part of the street here. So, as you rightly say, these buildings are very new, but, but they've been slotted into a, an urban fabric that is quite old. And this area is, you know, characterised by very small streets and small building lots. You know, this area would have been first developed in the 1850s, and at that time, of course, there were no vehicles. Um, everything had to be moved by muscle power, mostly human. I mean, there were not even very many mules or horses or other pack animals used in Hong Kong. So everything had to be carried by hand. So with that level of technology, um, everything's much smaller. There's no room, there's no such thing as a vehicle yet, anyway. So, so that, that, that the whole environment is very compact. With your work as a senior lecturer at the University of Hong Kong, uh, talking to students mm-hmm. about landscape architecture. Um, what do you tell them about, you know, trees in Hong Kong and trees and in urban areas? Well, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting to talk about trees in the urban areas and um, uh, because there's a sort of a inbuilt conflict there. I mean, the trees are, you know, natural in inverted commas and... Um, uh, and we have created a totally artificial environment, but we still want to have the trees in it, in, in there. Um, but this is, of course, an environment that the trees are, is completely alien for the, for, the, for the trees. As we go, as we walk along and we look at the history and we see which areas have tree planting and which 
don't. I think that that, that story in itself is quite, is quite interesting. Ironically, the areas that are most recent and most developed with the tallest buildings also have the most greenery. These streets, I mean, in their original condition in the 1850s, had no trees at all. Why not? Well, there's no room. The buildings were densely packed to be as close to Queen's Road East with the, water, the former waterfront as possible uh, to, for commercial reasons, I mean, to unload the boats. And so this would have been warehouses and all kinds of, all sorts of different businesses, but it would mostly be, at least the ground levels would be mostly commercial. As I mentioned before, everything is carried by hand. And as you want to minimise that distance as much as possible. And not only that, but you've got the steep slopes behind, which is difficult to build on. And then you're constrained by the water on one side and, and the, hills, the hills on the other. So you can't spread out much anyway. And there's no room for trees in these little streets here. Cutting into the hillside, then using reclamation to gradually extend mm. the land on Hong Kong Island out to sea. Um, in terms of the early hill structures, how did they protect the hill slopes or try to? It would mainly have been by uh, retaining walls. So we saw earlier that banyan growing on one of those uh, uh, stone retaining walls. I mean, the other interesting thing is that at the same time as all this was going on, the, the hills of Hong Kong were, Island were absolutely bare. Yes. Absolutely bare. There, were no, there was hardly any vegetation on there at all. How come? Uh, I understand that, uh, I believe that there was an imperial edict, actually, in the, I think, the 17th or 18th centuries to clear woodland from the South China coast as an effort to reduce uh, opportunities for pirates to hide away. Is that right? I think so, <laughs> yeah. And... Um, uh, well, and, well, of course, you also got some pretty good timber out of this procedure, but you, but then um, uh, and of course there would have been uh, uh, clearance for farming along the coast as well. The thing with tropical soils is, is they're not like soils in cooler climates, which can last many years after tree clearance. In in the tropics, most of the nutrients are actually in the trees themselves. So because because you have a very fast rate of decay and composting and also a fast rate of growth. So that means that, uh, you know, wood and uh, organic matter that falls down to the forest floor quickly rots and is immediately taken up by the roots of the trees. So, it, ironically, you can, ha you can have these quite substantial forests but standing on very little soil, very little soil at all. And that soil, once the trees are taken off, is firstly, there's not much of it, and secondly, it's unstable. And with the heavy monsoon rains in the summer, whoosh, you lose your soil immediately, which is why it's so easy to turn, you know, a rainforest into a desert almost straight away. It, it doesn't take any time at all. You know, just a couple of rainstorms and the soil's gone. And that's what happened here. So that by the time the British took over Hong Kong and started developing, there were hardly any trees at all. So the 1840s? Yeah, yeah. You look at old photographs from the mid-19th century, uh, uh, late-19th century, for the peak, for example, almost no trees. In fact, no, hardly any vegetation at all. In the late 19th century, there was quite a lot of planting done by the authorities, uh, in particular in relation to reservoirs uh, and water catchments, to try and stabilise the water catchments and increase the amount of water you know, in, into the reservoirs. But then, after the Second World War, a lot of that was lost as well because you had a population that was virtually starving at the end of the war and a lot of trees were cut. Oh, for fuel, yeah, yeah, yeah. for fuel, well, for wood, for cooking. Yeah. So it was bare again. But then there's been planting 
since then, combined with the fact that, especially on Hong Kong Island, as Hong Kong developed, then hill fires would have been quickly extinguished. Even now in the new territories, in some cases, hill fires can get out of control. In, well, it's not good, but it's not, the end, it's not the end of the world because it's just hillside. But if, if you've got expensive mansions sitting around on your hillside, then, of course, the fire will get put out much quicker. Consequently, especially on this side of the island, with north-facing, north less exposed to the sun, the forest has been coming back. So what we see now on the northern slopes of the island is predominantly forest that's in the process of regenerating. But most of it is less than 70 years old. Yeah, so Hong Kong's wood, hill woodlands as such are very young. Um, the vast majority of them, yes. There are a few patches of... There's one, for example, on um, Namfung Road on the southern side of the island. There's an area of woodland there that's within the country park near South Island School that is believed to have been more or less continuously woodland. But these, these are only, there's only tiny areas like that. Another one at Xingmun Reservoir. So that, that was, that's the... The context, you know, the, the, the surrounding context of the urban area that we're, look, that we're looking at. I'm talking with Gavin Coates, a senior lecturer at the University of Hong Kong. Today we're looking at the landscape architecture down here in Wan Chai. As we move, we're going to be going to a variety of streets where you can really see how the reclamation gradually over the decades extended out to the sea. But then what did we do about the hillsides? You had to ensure that the hillsides were protected with large retaining walls. But yes, it's interesting, as you say, we now have a very different urban landscape, these much taller buildings, sometimes much larger, but certainly much taller that are going up. But based on the road structure, it's all still very much, you can see yes. how life was. Yes, that's right, yeah. Uh, and, of course, it's, it, it, as we'll see in a minute, we'll see that there's still great advantages to having these small lots and these small buildings, you know, um, because it gives opportunities for small businesses to, to start up. And that's why an area like this around Star Street has become a bit fashionable, you know. I mean, you've got the combination of specific place moving in and kind of changing the whole ambiance of the, of the, of the area. But there's still enough of these little uh, units suitable for little restaurants and little craft shops. And here's an example of a, in a retaining wall that is, could well be over 100. Um, but the buildings right next to it are, you know, less than 20 years old. So you've got these rather nice kind of uh, granite walls, you know, with, with, on one side of this alleyway, and then there's this grotty uh, concrete and... Uh, air conditioning ducts and goodness knows what on the other side. <laughs> yeah, you can see on the top of this wall here, these, there's a couple of little banyans already starting to grow on the top of the walls, and nobody's maintaining that area. And there's probably water dribbling out from these, some of these pipes or from the aircon or whatever. And, and so you've got a little forest just starting up here. Are you going to tell anyone? No, 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 I won't tell anybody. I'm sure somebody will find it soon and clear it off, right? But, and this brings up another issue that, in fact, our maintenance, you know, our so-called maintenance is often the enemy of greening. You know, so that's another thing I tell the students, maintenance is the enemy of greening. If you leave it, if you just left this place alone completely, if we just went off and just stopped maintaining anything at all or became extinct or something like that... 
you know, within 30 years, this whole, th- all of these buildings will just be covered in banyans, you know, it'll just be amazing, there'll just be this incredible, sort of, just be festooned in trees, you know, <laughs> it would return to jungle pretty quickly. I mean, that tree there at the moment is only two or three feet tall, sorry, one metre, and, um, uh, but in 25 years, it can grow, you know, to 30 foot or more, well, engulf that building within 10 years. So here along Sun Street, the whole lower floor, of course, now is mostly pubs, restaurants, and a couple of boutique shops. But the, the but it was still, but um, you know, as we mentioned before, still small buildings. These ones are mostly five or six stories high, yeah. and on very small lots. So this whole scale of the streets and the scale of the building lots is still harks back to the 1850s, basically. Uh, and we can see Queen's Road East just down here. Queen's Road East would have been the coastal path, right, in the 1840s, 1850s. The little streets on the north side of Queen's Road East still slope down a little bit, but you can tell that they were actually the beach, actually on the coast, and Queen's Road East would have been just a little bit above above high water mark. So we're, we're, we're just about to hit the 1840s coastline. So if you walk down from Sun Street down onto Queen's Road East along a, a little lane called Winglock Lane, but you're out, uh, you've got, uh, as other general geography marks, you've got Marks and Spencer's food just diagonally to your left across the way. Um, but uh, this is the... Back to the urban hubbub. Uh, this is the Wan Chai origins of a district. On the side of the wall here, uh, it actually shows the different stages of the reclamation. Well, this is something that was built in with this new park. We, we at the moment, on, on plan, are down here somewhere. You can see Queen's Road East is this dotted line. 1891 to 1925, so that that would be the reclamation out to Johnston Road. The trams date from 1904, right? So, so that's a, that, the, that, the reclamation from here down to Johnston Road is late 19th century. And then 1926 to 45, that's the, the next phase of reclamation between Johnston Road and Gloucester Road. So Gloucester Road was the waterfront until the late 70s, probably. But in 1900, of course, uh, <laughs> Sir Paul Chater, an Armenian businessman who uh, is uh, one of the four, well, founders of Hong Kong land, among many others. He was at the forefront of suggesting reclamation for this east area. I mean, another uh, aspect of all this, there are also clues not only in the physical uh, uh, configuration of the, you know, of the urban area, but also, of course, in the names as well. Queen's Road, obviously, was in honour of Queen Victoria, right, because, I mean, Hong Kong was occupied by the British in 1841, you know, shortly after she'd come to the throne. In a minute, when we go to the other side, uh, you know, we'll come across Amoy Street, Swartow Street, all of these streets, late 19th century, uh, uh, and th- those are those names are related to the other treaty ports, some of the other treaty ports on the South China coast. You know, so there's a, a name clue as well. Sometimes you can date places by the name. So we're on the north side of Queen's Road East, and we're moving now into sort of picture framer territory. Yeah. And, uh, and then across the way... We pass by Ship Street, so we're crossing over Ship Street, and across there is a, a much, much older building. Yeah, so we're, we're here in Taiwong Street West. Not surprisingly, there's a Taiwong Street East as well, just nearby. And they're both in line with, the, with this little temple here. And the reason we come over here is just to see 
one of the original buildings. It is actually, uh, I think, that I believe this temple is a little bit later than Queen's Road itself. It shows the scale of the indigenous architecture of, the, of that time uh, in comparison with everything else around it, which has just gone completely mad in comparison. And seeing this old temple makes you realize how mad it has gone, you know. <laughs> so the, the whole scale of the place was, was completely different at that time. So we're just crossing over Taiwan Street East, moving generally in sort of Hopewell Centre direction. So here, here we're, we're at the top of Swatow Street, and Swatow is one of those names of one of the other treaty ports on the South China coast. The interesting thing about this is it's the only one left with the with the steps going down from Queen's Road, and this really is a, a kind of a clear indication that we we'll step down from Queen's Road East which was the coast road and we go down these steps and this would have been actually would have been the waterfront you know just down here somewhere we can see the street is sloping slightly down towards the Johnston Road so along Queen's Road East we'd have had small businesses we'd have had go-downs along here yeah yeah, yeah. and then there would have been probably hordes of boats coming in you know bumping up against the shoreline here I mean some of these steps you can still see a little bit of the old original granite steps still still left here. Can you do a putt 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 sampan sound? I think there was a duck at the end of that that was a very good sampan they wouldn't have been motorized would they? No. <laughs> oh well I can do an impression of a sailing sampan. Okay go on then uh, it doesn't translate to it radio. It doesn't work on radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got some metalwork places. We've got uh, Shunli building material. So this is all pipes. Yeah, the metalwork, the household goods. So these, I mean, we're not talking traditional, traditional going back to the 19th century. It's probably a little bit of a hangover from the fact that there would have been shops with, related to boat maintenance and, uh, and of course, construction. And, and the fact is that you've got small units at a low rent or that have been owned by the same people for a long time. Is it 29A here? You've actually got um, a shop that's um, selling all sorts of... Well, these are one of my favourite things. I love bricks. Uh, oh, we've yeah. got some red bricks. We've got some grey bricks. Sacks with <laughs> cement. Oh, yes. <laughs> So we can build our own retaining wall. Just stick it up somewhere. <laughs> Good morning. What is this? It's concrete. Yeah. It's just sand. Cement. 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 So how much does a sack of cement cost? Fifty-two dollars. Okay. So this is Green Island cement. I see. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Okay. So here we are. We're on Johnston Road, and so we've now walked out. Uh, from the late 19th century reclamation, which uh, Swartow Street, Amoy Street, and those other small streets were built on. So we've come from the original coastline of Queen's Road East, and now we're out on Johnston Road. The trams lines were date from 1904, so it's reasonable to assume that, the, well, obviously, <laughs> the land must have been there for them to build a tram line. So this must be post-1904 reclamation, but this was the, would have been the waterfront uh, 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 basically 100 years ago. So uh, now we're at the junction of Luard Road and Hennessy Road. And um, so now we, we've moved into the 1930s in terms of the <coughs> urban infrastructure here. So you compare the width even of Luard Road and especially Hennessy Road with the size of the streets that we saw at Star Street and Sun Street and Moon Street 
and even Amoy Street, Swartow Street. These, these, uh, based, those were streets built before vehicular transport. By the 30s, we, start, we would start to see some vehicles, appear, some motor vehicles appearing. The, the old China Motor Bus Company was de- uh, started in 1933. Kowloon Motor Bus started in 1933. So that by the 30s, there are some, not many, but some motor vehicles appearing. From the late... 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, you know, there were regulations were introduced for, for public health, you know, for sanitation, for uh, for allowing building certain distance between buildings, for fire regulations, this kind of thing. So, so here we're in a much more regulated environment. You know, what we see before is the the higgledy piggledy streets of a kind of a frantic beginnings of Hong Kong, right? And now we're moving into something that's rather more organised. All of this, all of these buildings were shop houses, you know, rather like the pawn there with the, with the columns. I mean, it was all like that. So much, much wider streets and, and capable of taking motor vehicles. But there's still traditional streets with the, the buildings directly onto the footpath. So you still have that, that direct relationship, you know, between the footpath and the pedestrians and, and the activities in the buildings. It's just that it's a much more spacious version. And in terms of the planting, in fact, if you look at that area, that part of Luard Road, which is the section between Hennessy Road and Lockhart Road, there's a sort of a motorcycle parking area on the right-hand side, right? And there's a sort of vehicle parking area on the left-hand side. Sticking out as little, as some little what we call bellouts. And in each of those corners has been planted uh, a tree. And these are Kaya senegalensis, uh, African mahoganies. And, um, and look at them now. Those were planted about 1988, 89. But look at them now. Absolutely fantastic. How many stories high is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven stories high, right? So they're, they're only 30 years old. They're only 38, you know, they're less than 30 years old. So that goes going back to what you mentioned before about how things grow here. It's so fantastic. Yeah, we're now, we're now standing in the middle of Hennessy Road. Uh, which uh, most people will know is not not a very friendly place for man or tree or any other living being. <coughs> and uh, as well here, you can really see these wadietias, the tall wadietias. And in between, we got these little date palms, the pygmy date palms. And then uh, in the ground level, we got this uh, mother-in-law's tongue, right? Which is this kind of a <laughs> spiky. The vicious spiky plant, right? Hence the name, I suppose. And uh, <laughs> I'll be in trouble now. But it's the only thing that really can, can survive here. It's a succulent leaf plant. It can tolerate very dry, very adverse conditions. The pollution here is quite intense, you know, and the, the soil conditions are very poor. Yeah, so here we are in uh, Luard Road, and uh, right next to the base of one of these Kaya Senegalensis trees, an African mahogany. And now a nice big thick trunk, look at that. I mean, it's uh, two foot thick, right? 600 millimeters thick. And um, they're beautiful trees now. Again, I mean, they're not native, but uh, uh, most of the native plants couldn't, couldn't tolerate these conditions. We've come across Gloucester Road and we're actually standing in Central Plaza here, looking back down on Gloucester Road, which of course is uh, three lanes on both sides, so quite a lot of volume there. Well, actually, if you look at it, look, it's one, two, three, four, five lanes on this side and four or five on the other side. So it's a quite a massive uh, 
trunk road. And so what we're looking at, we're standing at um, Central Plaza on, on what is actually 1970s reclamation. So we're looking back at the other side of Gloucester Road, which, is, which, is, which was the waterfront from the 1930s up until the 70s. That was the waterfront. That's where the ships all came in. So the ships have been coming in where we are now. And then there were go-downs and all kinds of things along here. So actually facing onto the waterfront would have been mainly go-downs and shipping trade-related businesses and then the entertainment and the bars that are in Lockhart Road behind. My thanks to Gavin Coates, senior lecturer at the University of Hong Kong, for his insights on his Wan Chai Transect tour. Gavin firmly believes that our wider streets have abandoned the pedestrian and it's time for us to return our streets and pavements to the people. You can find Gavin on Facebook at Earthy Publications. For any details on the programmes, contact me at my email hkhradio3 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>